Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Dr. King, Reverend Dr. King, and when he talks about love, that really is the point. That's always been the point for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what he was doing. He was preaching, and some people saw it in all kinds of lights, but he was calling us back to the truth, to love. And one of the ways that we can do that, oops, that wasn't supposed to fall out. One of the ways we can do that is to help our, is to love our neighbors right now with all the stuff that's going on with the, the furloughs. Um, you should have gotten, or many of you got an email from me um, about just getting gift cards. And you know somebody who's hungry or they're not getting paid, um, just quietly, uh, kindly, not embarrassing any kind of way, just hand it to them, pass it on. We really want to encourage that, that how, how is it, it's not, that love is not something that is done by the institutional church. Love is something lived out by the people of the church. That's what really counts and what really matters. So I hope you'll be looking for opportunities for that. Um, somebody asked me, well, can we bring them to the church? And our first thought was, well, no, we'd really rather you do it. We have since learned of some avenues of ways to get these into hands of some individuals, um, who are struggling right now. So if you decide to do that, you can certainly drop it in the offering plate or in the offering boxes or bring them by and we will pass it on to them. Our goal is not for the church to be the distribution point. Our goal is for you to be the, dis- the distributors. So um, if you want to do that, great. But what I really hope you will do is go out and get a couple, three of these and just have them with you and watch for, you know, watch and say, God, show me who needs one of these or two of these or three of these. God, show me how I can help how I can be Jesus's hands and feet and voice. That's what we're about. That's how we do it. So I just, I wanted to just kind of put that out there for you and just remind you about that and, and let, and unleash you to love because that's what, whether it was Martin Luther King or certainly in Jesus, that's what we're called to do. Amen. So, um, the late Dr. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade for Christ now called Crew, told the story of a famous oil field in West Texas called the Yates Pool. Now, during the Depression, this field was a sheep ranch owned by Ira Yates. Uh, Mr. Yates wasn't able to make enough on his ranching operation to pay the principal and interest on his mortgage, so he, he really was in danger of losing the ranch. His family, like a lot of others during the Depression, were living on government subsidy. Day after day, he was, he's grazing his sheep on, on these rolling hills out in West Texas and troubled about how he's going to pay his bills. When an oil company comes along and tells him there might be oil under his land and asks permission to drill a wildcat well, and he signed a lease contract to do so. When they got down at about 1,115 feet, they hit this huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. And if you know anything about oil, that's huge. Many later wells were even twice as big. And in fact, one well hit 200,000 barrels a day, which is, uh, my understanding is still a record today. 
Mr. Yates owned it all. He owned that land. He had it. It was all his the day he purchased it and got the oil and mineral rights. He was a multimillionaire living in poverty. He was Jed Clampett. (laughs) The problem, he didn't know the oil was there even though he owned it. And likewise, so many Christians live in spiritual poverty. We're entitled to the gifts of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit working in us and energizing us with His power, and yet we're not aware of that birthright. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God, the the Trinity, we sometimes say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, a recent study revealed that 56% of evangelical Christians believe the Holy Spirit is a force rather than a person. That they liken him to more like the force in Star Wars than like God. And, and it's really important. Sometimes we, we tend to use the, the pronoun it when talking about Holy Spirit. Well, would you like for me to talk about you saying it said? No. You said. He said. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God, Him. He is the eternal God. He is found all through the Bible. From Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 2, all the way to the very last chapter of Revelation. The Old Testament word for the Holy Spirit in the Hebrew language is ruah. And it can also be translated as wind or breath. And likewise, in the New Testament, the word translated uh, Holy Spirit from the Greek language is pneuma. Which can also be translated wind or breath. The breath of God animates, it empowers, he enlivens his people. And yet for many Christians, he's the God I never knew. He's the God I've never connected with. So over the next seven weeks, we're going to read through the first eight chapters of Acts to see what it tells us about the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're calling the God we never knew, I never knew. We also have, as as Betsy said, small groups beginning. They won't meet this week. The group sec portions will begin after starting next Sunday, okay? And, and we've even set up now some groups for guys. Uh, and there's a table out there. If, if you're single or your spouse is in a part of a group and, and you can't be a part of that group and you need a setting or you just want to do one just with guys, just know that that's out there as an option for you as well. To give all of us a chance to dig deeper into the, the, the Bible and what it tells us about the Spirit. We've got the journal for you with the readings, and uh, it gives you uh, opportunity to, to dig in each day as we go through this. So if you want to get to know God better, be here every Sunday, every Sunday, be in a group, and get a journal and do the daily readings. And, 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 and here, somebody asked me about this before the early service. And, you know, they said, well, th- there's three of us in our family and there's just some family dynamics. It would be better for us. Is it okay if the three of us are a group? I said, absolutely. You, you don't have to have eight or 10 or 12. And, you know, we've been encouraging you. You can be a group in your workplace or at school or with a couple of three neighbors. Sometimes your neighbors will walk through the door of your house before they'll walk through the door of God's house here. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Because the goal here is not to see how many individuals we, we physically get in here. It's the goal is how many people we can help know God through Jesus Christ better through the power of his spirit. So please invite. The book of Acts itself is unique in the New Testament. It's actually the second part of a two-part work written by Dr. Luke. Luke. Luke Acts, as it's sometimes called, Luke-Acts, was probably written around 64 AD. You can get some people who will do, talk, some, suggest some other dates, but that's kind of the, the most commonly uh, 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 conceived date. Uh, yet near the end of the first century, the first half of Luke's work, the, what we call the Gospel of Luke, began to circulate separately from his total work, it started separating with Matthew, Mark, and John as a kind of a package deal, if you will, of the four Gospels. And so sometime early, from the best we can tell, early in the second century, Luke's second volume received its own title, the Acts of the Apostles, or simply Acts, to apparently suggest both the, the advance of the Gospel and the heroic uh, exploits of, of the Apostles. Although the truth of the matter is, it's, it's primarily about Peter and then Paul, the apostles Peter and Paul. And yet Acts gives us this really unique picture of the coming of the Holy Spirit and then in the midst of that then the birth and spread of the church. And let me just say, if you have a problem with the church, I understand there's no perfect church here on earth. And and if there were, if you joined it, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. But And that would be true for me too. But, but the church is of God. Jesus started it and his spirit began it. And it is his primary instrument for bringing his transformation into the world today. And so it's, it's vitally important how, how we work together in this. Um, so Luke wrote this, as best we can tell from what we read in some of Paul's letters, he was a doctor and a sometime traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And in fact, interestingly, we won't get to it in this, this series, but later in the, in, in the book of Acts, uh, parts of it are written in first person, which tells us that Luke was telling it as he experienced it firsthand. If you'd like to watch an overview video of Acts, we've placed one with the rest of our videos on the series on Right Now Media. And if you don't have your free gateway subscription to that, you can go to our Find It page on our website and it'll tell you how to sign up for that. It's free. It's kind of the Netflix for Christians. And, and this particular overview video is less than 10 minutes long. It's very helpful. And I just want to show a quick preview just to kind of give you a feel for it. The book's introduction recounts how the risen Jesus spends some 40 days with the disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God. This connects back to the story of Luke's gospel, where Jesus claimed that he was restoring God's kingdom over the world, beginning with Israel. So he called Israel to live under God's reign by following him. And he was enthroned as king when he gave up his life and then conquered death with his love. And so the book of Acts begins with the risen King Jesus instructing his disciples about life in his kingdom. Now that's just, again, just, um, that's just a few seconds of it. Uh, that video is, I think, about eight minutes long. Um, and, and what's cool is an, an entity called the Bible Project has created the, these for every book of the Bible and a lot of 
of, of doctrines or teachings of the Bible. And they're available on Right Now Media, but you can also go to YouTube and search for The Bible Project and also access that this one and, and the others right there. So with that resource available to you, I'm not going to give you as much background as, as maybe I would sometimes and say, go watch, because that's really the best place. It'll give you a good overview of Acts. And so with that in mind, let's just dive in. And we're, we've been encouraging you to bring your Bible, either print or digital each week. So hold up your Bible. You got your Bible? Print or digital? All right. Good. Now, if you don't have a Bible or you forgot it, you can bring it next time. If you need to get one and you, you don't have one in a readable translation, in other words, if, you're, if you like King James English, if you liked Shakespeare and you like reading it, fine. There's nothing wrong with reading the King James. But most people struggle with that. And so we have some Bibles that you can have out of the Next Steps area that are in modern translations. So some of you are saying, you mean... It's not all these and thous. No, it's you and yours. So take advantage of that if you, if you need to. We, we want to help you dig into God's word. So Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament found after the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Uh, and that's about three quarters of the way through, through your Bible. And I'm going to begin right with verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. By the way, we also have notes for you if you, if you need that as well. Don't forget. So Luke wrote Luke, the gospel, and Acts to a person named Theophilus. Uh, w- there's no description of Theophilus. We, we, don't, we don't have any actual details. Um, many think he was probably a Roman official based on some of the language that's used. But it's also possible it's a title. Because Theophilus does translate from Greek to mean friend of God or loved by God. So it could be, most people think he's writing to an individual, but it is possible he's writing to kind of Christians in general. He tells us his gospel combined sayings and teachings of Jesus, and, and through the Holy Spirit, these sayings and teachings continue to be important to the apostles in their witness to the world about Jesus. So verse 3, he says, After his suffering, Jesus' suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And, and Luke affirms something here that's critically important about his gospel and, and this whole thing. Jesus, who suffered and died on the cross, is in fact alive. He's telling that to them then and telling that to us today. And his appearances and his continued teaching on the kingdom of God was proof of that. As Luke begins then his second volume, what we call Acts, he's making it clear that Jesus isn't just some past historical figure that we can consign to the to, to long time ago. He continues to live. He is alive today. Verse 4 then, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
But John the Baptist baptized, for John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes it clear here that the coming and baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential to his plan. His plan for for his disciples, his apostles' mission and, and witness to the gospel. Jesus had already told them that this was going to be the case at the Last Supper. He said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And he's saying that to us today, by the way. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, John the Baptist had prophesied this three years earlier at the very start of Jesus' ministry. In Mark chapter 1, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, talking to all those people who are coming to him to be baptized out on the Jordan River. He says, but he, talking about one who was to come, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Something was about to change in what empowered and led Jesus' disciples for ministry. Just, just remember with me, only a few weeks before what we're reading about here in Acts, these guys had cowered. They had run when they'd been confronted by temple officials on, on the, uh, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, only one of them wielded a sword, and, and the rest of them just got out of there as fast as they could. And, and they did not stick around to see what happened to him at his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. They now fully believed Jesus. They had faith in him, but they needed God's power working in them to enable them to do his mission, to fulfill what he was calling them to do. Now, you see, if you look back into the Old Testament, again, remember, the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament. He did not come into being in Acts chapter 2. He is God. He has always been And always will be. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament we see the Holy Spirit coming onto specific individuals at specific times to perform specific tasks. So we read he came upon men called judges, men and women called judges to enable them to lead the Israelites in order to defeat their enemies. He came upon craftsmen to help them build the tabernacle and later the temple. He came upon leaders like Joshua and David to lead the Israelites. And he came upon prophets to deliver God's word to his people. But there is no general outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people. Nor did the Holy Spirit always continue working in an individual for the rest of their days. But Jesus is telling his disciples then, but also us today, that something new is about to happen. That's what he's saying here in Acts chapter 1. That the Holy Spirit who had lived with them would now live in them. And not just them, but all believers. Something radically different was about to happen. And no, they didn't understand it at this point. It didn't, it, it didn't, it didn't click. Uh, yet in a few days they would realize Jesus meant his spirit would come to live in each one of them permanently from there on out to continue Jesus' work and mission to be his hands, his feet, his voice of love. And we'll see this happen next week in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. But the time hasn't come because Jesus is still physically right there with them. Jesus said in John 16, I tell you the truth, it is for your good 
that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, we know Jesus was God, but Jesus was also man. He was flesh and blood. Flesh and blood can only be in one place at one time. I mean, when Jesus was sitting there with his disciples, he wasn't also sitting on the Sea of Galilee. He wasn't also sitting up on, in Jerusalem. He was right there with them in one place at one time. But what would happen when his disciples were scattered in mission? He can only be with one of them or a handful of them at a time. How would he be with all of them? And that's what he said in the Great Commission. I will be with you always until the end of the age. That's the point of what's happening here. In fact, Jesus is saying, I had to leave so that you, you, my followers, could have me with you wherever you go through the Spirit. Instead of me being in one place at one time, I can be with all my followers all the time. The result of his leaving and the coming of the Spirit, Jesus says it's so much more than if he just stayed here on earth. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. At the coming of the Holy Spirit at at Pentecost, all the disciples permanently received the power of the Spirit living in them, enabling them to go forward with Jesus' mission. And, And what began that day became the norm for all believers. We all receive or are baptized in the Holy Spirit as we put our faith in Christ, multiplying Jesus' influence in all believers in all places that we're in. That's why we're called to be the church, to be followers of Jesus wherever we are. You're not supposed to just be like Jesus when you walk through the doors like I'm going to act good. The Holy Spirit is in us. And so we are called to take that and live that wherever we are. We are taking Jesus out into the marketplace. We are taking Jesus into the schools. We're taking Jesus into our homes. We're taking Jesus onto the ball fields and into the dance studios. In us. And if we are cooperating with him through us. Now, admittedly, there's not complete agreement about the language baptism of the Holy Spirit in Christianity. And some who might be what we call in charismatic circles believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second event in the life of Christians. But let me just say that is not a universal belief, even in charismatic circles, and certainly not in wider Christianity. Here at Gateway, as in most churches, we believe the question isn't whether Christians have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, because if we have genuinely put our faith in Jesus, we have received and have been baptized in the Spirit using the language of Jesus. That's the language he used. But the question isn't whether or not I've allowed the Spirit then to fill me. The Spirit of God is the presence of Christ in me, in you, in each one of us. We have all of the Spirit when we welcome Christ into our lives at our conversion. But the real question is, does the Spirit have all of me? Now think about that. Does the Spirit have all 
of me? Do I fully submit to him? Do I trust him through God's word? Because the the Bible even tells us the spirit inspired the writing of God's word. Do I seek to hear him in worship and Bible study as he speaks through others to me? Guys, this is a divine event in my, my belief. It's not simply you're sitting here listening to some guy talk. My prayer, and I got people who pray this every week for me. My prayer is that somehow, through my words, Jesus' word comes into your life through the Spirit. Working through me as a conduit and working through you as the one on the receiving end. Together. Yeah. That's why church isn't just what do I get out of it? It's what is, what am I looking? How, God, what do you want to say to me? I trust, I believe you are working. And I want you to work in me in this time. So, do I submit? Or does he become just one of a competing number of voices in my life? And we're going to talk more about this as we go forward in the series. But as we return to the disciples before Pentecost, it's clear that they don't, still don't fully get it and how this is all going to work. Verse 6 says, so when they met together, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. We know that at least some of the disciples still held misconceptions about Jesus and the kingdom of God. They still, to some degree at least, believed it was going to be a political kingdom. They were going to reign on earth. They were going to overcome the Romans. The nation of Israel would be the deal. When what Jesus brought with his first coming was a spiritual kingdom in our hearts. The kingdom is in you wherever we are, and only at his second coming will he bring a complete and physical kingdom. Where Paul says in Philippians 2, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not true today because he has not returned. But if you believe it is true, then you know that's going to happen. And you don't want to be caught at that point when it does happen and saying, well, Jesus, I thought I had a little more time. You got to jump on this now. That's because Jesus is looking at our heart. He's not looking at just, does it look good? Am I truly striving to live this out day in and day out? Jesus affirmed before his crucifixion, he reminds them again here, the dates and times for his return are set by the Father, not for them or us to know. And and so just real quickly, don't ever worry when you see on TV or in the newspaper, someone said, Jesus is coming back on March 3rd or April 17th or whatever. Because as soon as they say a date, they're unbiblical. Jesus says, we don't know. So just... Keep that in mind and just don't worry about it. All right? Instead, Jesus points them to their mission in verse 8. And verse 8 is really kind of the key verse of the whole book of Acts. 
it's the, it's the one that kind of paints the picture of what Acts is all about. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, believers will be his witnesses. Now, weeks earlier, when they faced the religious authorities and didn't have the Holy Spirit's power, they cowered, they ran. Peter even denied Jesus. And as we're going to see next week, though, the the Holy Spirit changes everything because it's God. It's the power of God living in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in every believer. And Jesus says, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we are each to be his witnesses. It is a direct extension of the great commandment and the great commission to love God, to love our neighbors, so much so that we go and make disciples of them. And we do that, Jesus says, as witnesses. Now, what's a witness? I mean, have you ever been to a trial? I mean, we all know actually what witnesses is, but I mean, a witness is simply someone who tells what they've seen and heard. That's all. Don't, don't make it more than it is. A lot of times Christians feel like, man, I got to have all the answers. I got to understand all this stuff. But think about it this way. You've gone to a new restaurant and you love the food. Now, do you hesitate to tell your friends about that restaurant because you're not sure about all the ingredients and you're not sure about how they cooked it and you're not sure about who the people were in the back doing it? Do you think about that? Does that run through your mind? Or do you just say, man, I had a great meal at such and such place. You ought to go try it. Do we have all the details? Or do we just tell people what we witnessed and experienced. That's a witness. That's what Jesus means when he calls you and me to be his witnesses. We tell what we've seen and heard, what we've seen and heard. Faith in Christ makes sense, don't get me wrong. And, and it's worth digging into and, and understanding our faith better. That, in fact, is one definition of theology, faith-seeking understanding. So, so disciples do seek to know Jesus better by spending time with him in God's word, by praying, worship, serving, community with other Christians, often in small groups like we're setting up right now. But faith, by the very definition of the word, in whatever context you use it in, means we, ha- we don't have absolute proof. But that's okay because the stan- that's a standard we seldom use anywhere else in our lives. Yet we can be sure beyond a reasonable doubt. In in these words of Jesus, Luke has given us the theme for the whole book of Acts. It tells the story of the followers of Jesus, empowered by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit, becoming his witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, by Jerusalem, what do we mean? We mean in our immediate communities, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, right wherever we already are, because that's what Jerusalem was for them. But Jesus doesn't leave it there, because he goes on to say, in all Judea and Samaria. Judea was a province, kind of like a state, in which Jerusalem was located, and Samaria was the adjacent province, To the north, kind of like Oklahoma. Maybe not like Oklahoma. And this was about as far as Jesus had physically traveled during his three years of mission. 
So he's talking about the larger area where we live and work, where we have, we've been, we have influence. But then he doesn't stop there because he says, and to the ends of the earth. And that's pretty clear. That's everywhere. And it goes far beyond where Jesus himself personally traveled. Acts is going to end with the Apostle Paul in Rome, the very center of the Western world, witnessing for Jesus at the very seat of human power. And the book of Acts shows this progression from Jerusalem and then forward, outward to Judea and Samaria. And finally, beyond those borders to the farthest corners of the earth, a mission given to us too. He's speaking to us too, that we must continue to obey and can obey through the power of the Holy Spirit. The mission of the church is Jesus' mission, empowered by his Spirit. And then finishing up our passage today, after Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. So, Jesus leaves them, ascending into heaven, opening the door for the next vital step in his mission to go and make disciples who will unleash the love of God for the sake of the world, for the transformation of the world. The Spirit now is coming. And the the incredible news is that we don't have to live this life in our own power. In an earlier time, there was a, a famous organist giving a, a recital. And, and it was a time when organs were supplied by air by, by hand pump, not by a, 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 a pneumatic pump. It had to be pumped by hand. And so a young boy was hired to pump the organ for this occasion. And everything was going fine. And, and it, the concert was great. And the little boy at one point stuck his head around the side of the organ and he whispered to the organist, we're doing pretty good, aren't we? And the organist turned to him and said, what do you mean, we? And a few minutes later, as he is in the midst of a beautiful passage, the organ stops playing. And he's trying all the stops. He's trying to figure out what's wrong. Nothing works. And then the little boy sticks his head around the corner again with a smile on his face and says, now do you know what I mean by we? See, the Holy Spirit wants to be the we in the living of our lives for Jesus Christ. So trust him. Trust him to work in you, through you. And be sure to join us next week when we look at the Spirit has come. As we look at this amazing story of the Holy Spirit coming into believers' lives that has changed everything and, in fact, made the church possible. If you want to talk to somebody about this, our prayer team is going to be down here and they would love to pray with you about this. Pray over you. If you haven't welcomed Jesus into your life and received the Holy Spirit, they would, they will help you with that. And at the same time, if that has happened or you're thinking about that, to be, you have the opportunity to be baptized. Jesus told us to do that. And so in obedience, we do that as a testimony of, of his kingship in our lives. Don't forget, 
groups out there, or you can sign up online, or you can create your own group, please, where two or three are gathered. You, you, you don't have to be dependent on us. We just want you to engage with the material and, and use the journal and go online through the Right Now Media and watch the videos and be here with us each week. And so, But there are groups out there if you don't have a group. And, and in fact, we've added this week some men's groups, and there's a, there's a table out there that you can check on, on that. If you're a guest with us today, we are so glad you're here. And as Betsy said earlier, myself and some friends will be out here, and we'd, we'd love to say hello to you this morning. As we wrap up, would you join me and let's pray. Gracious God, wondrous Jesus, powerful spirit, we thank you that you love us and that you come to be with us, to be our Emmanuel, God with us, and even more to be in us through your spirit. Help us to trust your spirit, to live for you day in and day out, to be your disciples who make disciples, to love our neighbors and to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to make this place, this world a better place, to allow your love to transform. As Martin Luther King Jr. himself said, it's love that changes the human heart. Father, we're simply following in the footsteps of of Jesus and Martin Luther King and so many others and striving to love. And we know that the only way I can love, especially some of those people I don't like or people who've hurt me or even to forgive them, is because there is your power in me, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Help me to trust that power. Help me to trust your spirit. Help me to live for you today and every day, Jesus, we pray. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.